Welcome back to another episode of Ecumenical. My name is Peter Holm, and today we're going to talk about the evolution of man. Yeah, we'll see about that. So before we get started, if you like this stuff that I do, you like the content, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, smash the like button if it helps you, so you can go and share this with other people, interact, make sure to add questions, because this one specifically, this topic, is one that we're doing by request. I really enjoy when you guys throw questions at us. Happy to go and build something out for you so that uh, we can get a bunch of details, a bunch of information, and uh, yeah, hopefully enlighten some people. And I'm going to add a lot of references here so you can share it with everybody else. So without further ado, evolution. Why does it matter whether we're talking evolution or intelligent design? Well, the thing is, God is kind of a big deal, right? And he thinks he's God. He acts like he's God. He has a plan. He did things his own particular way. And when he tells us how he did it, maybe we should listen to him. I think that's a good idea, right? God tells us what he's going to do. God told us what he's done, and he tells us how he did it. And we really need to be wary of those individuals who would try and tell us something that deviates from what God's told us. More importantly, I know that there are a bunch of people who look at scriptures, and they try to say it's all allegory. It's not actually something that's definitive or limited, finite, what have you. And... I think it's really important that we'll pull out Numbers 12.8. What does Numbers 12.8 say? For I speak to him mouth to mouth and plainly, but not by riddles and figures. Now we can't sit there and presume, because I'm waiting. I know right there you're like, he spoke in parables. Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in parables about himself and what his role was so that the people who would believe and listen would follow. But from all the other things God has told us, we know there are some things in scripture that are absolutely finite, definitive, very clear, and we need to accept when some things are made clear to us, they're actually the truth and they're not allegory. So let's build on that right now, okay? Specifically, we're going to look at Genesis here. Because in Genesis 131, we see, and God saw all the things that he had made, and they were good. The word good is a derivation from the word God, which means perfect, which means he didn't pull stuff half-baked out of the oven so it could cook for millions of years and maybe come around. I'm going to build on this before you're going to sit there and say, how can you come to that conclusion? I got this. Watch this. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the slime of the earth and breathed into his face the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And Genesis 2, 21. Then the Lord cast a deep sleep upon Adam, and when he was fast asleep, he took one of his ribs and filled up flesh for it. And the Lord God built the rib, which he took from Adam into a woman, and brought her to Adam. All right, so we got some scripture here. It's very uh, direct. He didn't talk about any Petri dishes or any lightning bolts and some weird stuff and turning into little creatures, amoebas, that then turned into fishes and walked onto land as mankind or, sorry, apes. forgot about the apes. Or it's apes, whatever, right? So you put it all together. This is almost like God decided, I'm going to make man just from the get-go. Poof. And he did it with all of his glory, all of his divine power, right? Thomas Aquinas builds on this in the Summa. And he's going to look specifically, so we look at part one of the Summa, questions 91 and 92. He states definitively in there that man was created instantly by God. Because scripture says so not millions of years. All right. So when we look at article two, question 91, he addresses Adam and says he was created instantly, not over millions of years. 
And when we look at Article 3 in Question 92, he says specifically that woman was created from the rib of man, not over millions of years. So now if we go a little bit further, we'll back up. So we'll go, uh, so we're, Thomas was in the late 1200s. Fourth Lateran Council takes place in 1215. And what does the Fourth Lateran Council say about creation? It says that everything was created perfectly in an instant, not over millions of years. We're seeing kind of a pattern, right? 17th century Jesuit Cornelius Elapidae. Really solid biblical commentary. Unfortunately, most of it's in Latin. There are pieces of it that have been translated into English, which are pretty cool on the New Testament. Old Testament, he's a very solid resource, though. Um, he actually does some commentary looking at the Lateran Council, and here's what he writes. Lateran Council under Innocent III declared one must believe with firm faith that from the beginning of time God created from nothing both spiritual and corporeal creatures, angelic and the mundane. So, from the beginning. This means it didn't take a bunch of years, thousands of years, millions of years, all this time to go and take this imperfect thing that was still cooking and turns into something great, right? No, that doesn't, it doesn't make any logical sense. I'm going to add Humani Generis into this mix here. So Pope Pius XII, and he is talking from a pro-scientific standpoint here when he writes this encyclical. Um, but even though we're supposed to question things and come up with hypotheses about where things came from, we shouldn't ignore written history. We should not ignore what the church has already told us and what doctors of the church have told us. Because here's the deal. With your hypotheses, do you know what ends up happening? Even if you take a hypothesis that actually is built on something that's false, science based on truth and observed fact will refute the hypothesis to reinforce the truth and the fact. That's just what happens. If we're going to be scientific, we have to accept the fact that there are going to be events and there are going to be certain behaviors and, and observations which contradict the falsehoods, because in the end, truth will prevail. And what is Jesus Christ, John 14, 6, truth? I think that's one of his titles, right? Truth will prevail, always, all the time. Now, looking at all of that, we're sitting there and saying, okay, definitively speaking, we have multiple sources now saying everything was created in an instant, and evolution doesn't make any sense. In building on the science theme, we have metaphysics. What's the point of metaphysics? We can combine science and philosophy. We're looking all of it together to say logically what is possible in this existence, in this world. Well, Father Ripiger has done a lot of work on this. So Father Chad Ripiger, you can look up his metaphysics talks. I will include the links to his work below in the description for this video so you can go and follow those and build on it. The whole reason that I add metaphysics into this discussion is because... Ultimately, as the foundation of philosophy and truth and how you fit science and fact and all this stuff all together, um, we cannot truly understand the universe unless we understand the basis for science and philosophy and fact and truth and all of this together to get why, reasonably speaking, logically speaking, creation makes sense from an intelligent design standpoint and does not make any sense from an evolutionary standpoint. And I'm talking macroevolution specifically, okay? Because microevolution, I got it. You can see differences in every species uh, in terms of where they grew up or what their climate looks like or whatever. You can see different color variations. You can see different, uh, like in animals, different fur. So you have curly fur and straight hair and short hair and long hair and things like that. You, you have all different types of variations within a species, but a dog is never going to turn into a cat and a cat is never going to turn into a, a whale, and so on and so forth. Like in even, even microorganisms don't have the capacity to do that either because they're only what they are. What am I saying? Something cannot come from nothing. Because even though everything in the universe was created, 
right? It didn't exist before God wanted it to be, to happen. The entire natural world and all the natural law, all the physics, everything that is came from God. That's not nothing. So even though we can talk about things like a Big Bang Theory or whatever else, which don't really make any sense, uh, it's also Talmudic, by the way. The the Big Bang Theory is Talmudic. So in the end, you're saying, eh, it's, it's confusing, but different topic for a different day. Something cannot originate from nothing. That means something has to come from something else. A creation has to be made by a creator. Someone, say a divine presence, a divine being, divine persons, created something. So in the end, the natural world comes ultimately as a product of the divine, effectively. Um, please correct me if I, I got any of that wrong for any theologians who are like, hey, whoa, you said something wrong. Cool, I'll be happy to take correction. We'll go from there. But we look at the fact that if we can destroy any false notions of how things came to be, which take God's hand out of it, or say that God developed something that wasn't ready yet, and so it turned into this over a bazillion years or whatever, um, if we can break that down, then all of a sudden things like the Big Bang Theory start to break down. A whole bunch of other things that we treat nowadays as scientific fact because we don't really want to do hypotheses and we don't really want to do real science because there are people that if we do real science, uh, guess what happens? All of a sudden, we now have doctors who don't really know it all. And now we have to sit there and say, wait a minute, do these doctors, these PhDs, these scientists, are they really full of it? Are they really trying to mislead us or are they actually telling us the truth? That's the question, right? So we put it all together. We have more theological pieces coming in. Father Wolf has a bunch of solid videos on this topic talking through why evolution doesn't make any sense, why ultimately you're looking at a creature from the beginning designed in God's image. Because ultimately, even though, remember, to God Almighty, time is a creation. And that means that in his mind, he already knew what the flesh of Jesus Christ was going to look like. And what's interesting is even though Adam is in time, he precedes Jesus Christ, the idea of Jesus Christ's flesh they were all supposed to marry up. Adam was going to be what Jesus needed for his flesh. Take time out of the equation and the whole thing's mind-blowing. It's really neat. And the question I think you may be asking now, if you're sitting there and accepting, okay, maybe this whole creation, intelligent design thing makes sense. You're going to ask potentially next, well, how did we get here? What happened to bring us into this situation? Hugh Owen, Dr. Hugh Owen, has multiple talks on this as well, explaining that what you see is atheism and communism, Marxism. One of the things they had to do is they had to build a foundation of thought that would tear a man, a family, from God. And if you could tear them away from God, then guess what? You could tear the family apart and you could make the people look towards government as the power center as opposed to God, which means they change all of their behavior as a result. So. He brings up little details like these. Interesting from his courses, by the way. So you can find some of his stuff on YouTube. You can also look him up and buy his programs. Hugh Owen is a solid resource, by the way, if you want more details on this. But let me give you some quotes that he pulls out of his courses. So Francis Galton here. Uh, this is the cousin of Charles Darwin and coiner of the term eugenics makes the following statement. If talented men were mated with talented women of the same mental and physical characteristics as themselves, Generation upon generation, we might produce a highly bred human race. Ultimately, he sees the eugenics as a mechanism to make man better, to make them evolve. 
Uh, Darwin, by the way, is a child of a Freemason and all of his, and I'll get to him here in a minute. Let me do a couple quotes and we'll get to Darwin. We'll follow up because he's not a great dude at all. All right. H.G. Wells, he follows the ideas of Galton. So he ends up becoming kind of a, a protege. He decides he's going to take and build on the ideas of Galton. And what he would end up doing is he starts putting together the idea of thought and how to make eugenics come to life, make it a real thing. And he ends up having followers come along who include Margaret Sanger. And hopefully we know Margaret Sanger and where she originates and what organization she ultimately is responsible for working with. This is the Birth Control League and what it turns into. All right. Then, last but not least, one of the best quotes that I got out of his uh, series there, A.J. Mattil. So the free inquiry. And he makes this quote. So this is volume two. He wrote this in 1982. Those illiberal and unorthodox Christians who regard the creation stories as myths or allegories are undermining the rest of scripture. For if there was no Adam, there was no fall. And if there was no fall, there is no hell. And if there is no hell, there is no need for Jesus. Second Adam, our incarnate savior, crucified and risen. As a result, the whole biblical system of salvation collapses. Evolution thus becomes the most potent weapon for destroying the Christian faith. All right. How's that weigh on you, right? Because when Pius XII is discussing evolution in Humani Generis, he talks about it in terms of a set of fictitious tenets, in terms of what make up evolution. And he actually references how communists use and subscribe to the notion of evolution in order to cut men apart from God. So he directly says it. So I'm only echoing here what Pius XII has already told us. When we move away from intelligent design, and we say that Adam and Eve had to have come from the wombs of apes, which is the only way the evolutionary theory works. Do you know what we've just said? As Catholics, we should have a massive problem with that notion. Why? Because there was only one immaculate conception. Because technically, Adam and Eve had not committed sins when they were created. Therefore, they're created immaculately. What does that mean? It means that Mary then would have no basis. Our Blessed Mother would have no basis for coming to St. Bernadette at Lourdes to tell her that she was the Immaculate Conception, the one and only, not to share that title with anyone else. No one else was Immaculate created like her. We have one Immaculate Conception performed by God. He made sure that happened. Adam and Eve, on the other hand, were created not conceived between a man and a woman having a child, right? So this is interesting because if you look at Our Lady of Lords and she talks about herself being the Immaculate Conception, when did this happen? This happened in 1858. So I told you I was coming back to Charles Darwin. What happens in 1859? That's when Charles Darwin would go on to publish On the Origin of Species and where he proposes the continual evolution of species. One of the objectives he was trying to reach here, and he hits it in more detail in The Descent of Man, is that he tries to prove that Africans are not human. So any people that come from the African continent, he's trying to say that they are not human like everybody else. That is terrible. That is disgusting. And in the end, that is unchristian. That is evil. So... Francis Galton is building off of that man's work. Margaret Sanger built off of that man's work. 
the Marxists built off that man's work. We need to be very wary of all of the evil that goes into notions, which are evolution, which take us away from God and say he didn't play a hand in this and he didn't do it directly as he spoke. This is why Peter warns us and says people will no, not believe the stories that happened at the beginning because there are going to be people that come to try to steer us off course. Let's not follow that. Let's go in the way Jesus Christ wants us to go. Let's follow the truth, the facts. I've given you a bunch of sources here. If you have any more questions, throw them at me. I'll be happy to find what I can. I will make sure to include as many of the links as I can. I may even be able to find some of Dr. Owen's stuff to make sure it's in the links as well and in the description. And we'll go from there. So I hope that when you put all this together, we can now clearly consider who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe our Blessed Mother? Are we going to believe the timeless teachings of Holy Mother Church, which align to our Blessed Mother and to the scriptures? Or are we going to believe some godless men? I mean, they wear white coats, right? So we should believe them. I mean, they make lots of money, so we should believe them. I mean, governments pay them lots of money to go speak in public, so we should believe them. Okay, it's one or the other. We speak and repeat what godless men have said as if it is fact. Or we go with what Holy Mother Church, our Blessed Mother, the scriptures inspired by God tell us, right? It's one or the other. I've said this multiple times. We have one destination at the end, and we can only go one of two places. We go to heaven to be with our Lord, or we go down to be with godless men for eternity and the demons. All right. Now, I hope that was helpful. If you have any questions, throw them at me down below. If you have any other topic ideas, make sure to throw them down in the description below, uh, in your comments below, excuse me. And then... If you like the video, smash that like button. If this helps, subscribe, share this video everywhere you can. I appreciate all the shares. It gets more people to see this. We learn more together. We grow and become better Christians, better Catholics, and help other people do the same, right? So thank you for watching. Uh, may God bless us all. May the Virgin protect us. And as always, St. Joseph, pray for us. All right. See you later.